I just want to say it's so good to see everybody this morning. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a different Sunday. We had uh, pastors out. We've got people sick. We've got people on the road. We have people at graduations. We've got all sorts of things. We've got Spirit Life people everywhere. But I'm glad that I was able to come together in the house with my brothers and sisters where we can lift high the name of Jesus. Now, today, um, I'm going to be speaking to you all um, about uh, a passage from Jeremiah. But before we get into that, um, I want to know, we're here at the end of the school year. I want to know, what kind of student were you when you were in school? All right. Uh, Mr. Bill, can you give me some audience lights so I can see who I'm talking to this morning? That would be awesome. But anyway, if you want to just give it, uh, maybe you want to brag a little bit. How many of you were A and B students? Did you get some A's, get some B's, show of hand, all right? How many of you guys were C students, good enough, right? And we're going to say, I, I was good enough, I was good enough. All right, I'm not going to ask anybody to, uh, to reveal whether or not they were lower than that. But, but anyway, school was always a difficult thing to, I mean, it, there was a big task to it. There was a lot of work that went into it. Some of us, it came pretty easy. Others of us, was, it was pretty hard. Uh, but wherever you landed on that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you, you just get, you, you get to the end of the process, right, and you graduate. Now, I was looking into the grading system. I was thinking about that this week. You know, I know with younger kids, they've changed the grading system a lot, right? They, they have U's and N's and all of that. But when I was growing up, you got A's, B's, C's, D's, and F's. And I was thinking about that. Why don't they have E's? Why did we skip the E and we just went straight to the F? And uh, it turns out that was an American invention. And, and they said people were getting confused. They thought the E's meant that they were doing excellent. And... Uh, that's not the same. So they went with F instead. F stands for failure, right? Uh, although I say for the really smart underachiever, they could probably go home and tell mom, no, that means fantastic, right? Uh, but either way, um, you know, we, we work hard, we applied ourselves, and at the end of the, end of the day, we got a grade or an evaluation. Now, a lot of people that today are at graduation ceremonies, and they're going to call people's names, they're going to call forth, and the best part about the ceremonies was trying to hear uh, the, whoever was announcing and reading off the names, stumbling over the names, and revealing a few hidden middle names, right, that nobody wanted you to know that their middle name was, was Daryl, uh, or whatever it was. I threw that out there for you, G. Paul, you know, no one's ashamed of a Daryl. Uh, but anyway, they would read off the names and then they would say either that they were cum laude or they were summa cum laude or as one preacher said, sometimes it was come sum laude, right? You know, it, you, you, uh, you, you worked hard and you, you know, for some people it was just I'm finished and I'm done. Um, but today we're going to talk about this idea of becoming a C student. Right? And you're going to say, well, that's a little confusing. Don't we usually want to say, no, you should try for the best. You should try to be an A or a B student. You know, get that honor roll, that high honor roll. We want to earn scholarships. We want to do all of that. But, but we're going to take a little bit of a punny look at this, and we're going to say uh, that we're going to become C students today. Now, for some of you, you're a little relieved. You're like, good, because C's was all I could do. Uh, but anyway, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. If you have your Bible with you and you'd, li you'd like to turn today, um, if you have one of those fancy electronic Bibles, we're using the New Living Translation, so you can switch over if you want to look at that. But the passage that we're looking at today is from Jeremiah chapter 1, and this is a pretty familiar passage. It's one that comes up a lot, especially when it comes to uh, uh, the arguments about the sanctity of life, you know, and, and you know, the, the, the value and the dignity of a human life, right? This passage, it talks about 
uh, you know, when the baby and when the child was still in the mother's womb. But we're going to take a little bit different look at that today. We're looking at Jeremiah's call and his first steps into ministry, and we're going to see how we, too, can become C students. Now, um, this, uh, this passage, I think, is going to help you understand, number one, who you are and what you're supposed to be doing and give you some clarity and, and some insight into what God's trying to do in our lives. So we're in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Here's what the text says. It says, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Jeremiah replies, O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now that last little phrase we're going to see several times today, so let's just get that into our spirits. Everybody say it with me. I, the Lord, have spoken. All right. If there's any doubt as to who's talking, if there's any doubt as to where the source of authority comes from, we know it comes from right there. I, the Lord, have spoken. All right, now before we get further into this passage, I want to stop and break this down a little bit. So this passage right here is where the Lord comes and he initially encounters Jeremiah. Now, we know from studying his life that he was a very young man when he received this call. He's probably still a teenager. He came from a priestly family. And, um, you know, I'm, it, it was just assumed that he would follow in that role. But God was coming here and he was telling him, listen, I'm not going to put you in that same priestly role that you thought you were going into. I have a different plan for you and we're going to put you into this prophetic role. And the role of a prophet was very different from the role of a priest. That doesn't mean he didn't still also do those priestly activities as well. But he had a very special ministry and God was calling him out for that. Now notice Jeremiah's response. His first response was not to say, oh God, you've got a special mission for me? Yes, good job. No, the first thing he did was he tried to weasel his way out of it, right? Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever felt like the Lord was calling you to do something and you're like, God, are you sure you want me? Are you sure that I'm the one that you want to do this? And, and, you know, especially if you feel like you're, you're young or you're inexperienced, you don't know what you're doing, and, and you start trying to disqualify yourselves, right? Many times we look at God and we say, like Jeremiah, we might say, well, I'm too young for this. Well, others of us will say, well, I'm too old for this, right? I, I, I don't have enough gas left in the tank. Some of us say, I'm too tired, right? Or I don't have enough time. Uh, sometimes God wants you to give sacrificially and you say, but God, I'm too poor, right? Uh, you know, all sorts of things. Any, uh, there's a, many different excuses that we will use to try to tell God, hey, listen, I'm honored. I'm glad that you're asking me to do this. I love you, Lord. But why don't we pick somebody else? Can't somebody else do it? So um, we, 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 we try to think of anything, you know, too young, too old, too poor, too tired. Um, we can even say, I, I just can't sum it up, God. I'm, I'm too anything, right? Anybody here ever been called extra, right? You're just too much of everything. So we always try to look at ways that we can disqualify ourselves. But here's the thing. God, in this passage, he makes it clear that even before we're born, before we take our first breath, he has already been fashioning us and shaping us and making us and molding us. And because of the way he's made us, he has a plan for us. Each one of us has a different personality, a different set of gifts, a different set of talents, a different set of abilities. 
And there are many of us where, you know, we look at somebody and we say, wow, I'm so amazed by what this person does. It seems like everything they do, they do well. And, and, and I wish I was that talented. Now, for me, I love music. You guys know this about me. You know that I love to listen to new bands, and I like to get really into it. I want to get my big expensive headphones on. I want to hear every strum of the guitar. I want to hear every uh, cough and sniffle in the background in the recording studio. I want to hear it all. And I'm amazed sometimes at the talents and, and the ability. And a lot of times when you watch these people play, it just seems so effortless. It seems so easy. Now, we all know that there's not a single musician out there that, that is doing well and that plays with skill that hasn't put hours and hours of practice and, and work into it, but there is also a natural gifting and a natural talent for that, and God takes that. He put that in that person, and he's, then, then they've allowed God to develop that in them. So we want to uh, disqualify ourselves because we doubt what God is speaking into us. God says, I'm calling you to do this, and we try to say, God, I'm honored, but I'm out right? That's not me. I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that. I'm not qualified for it. And one of the reasons we do that is because better than anyone else in the world, we know our own shortcomings, right? Most people, you look, some, uh, look at someone walking down the street, somebody walks in the door, you think, okay, well, that's a person who has their life together. They seem like a competent individual. They look like they, they do well. They, they've been put in positions of responsibility at work, or, or they've got a great family, or they've got a lot of things going for them. And, and from the outside looking in, they look put together, right? But I bet you if you approached that person and they got real honest with you there was a lot of things in their life that weren't as they should be and it's the same thing in our own lives you know there are things that we can do well there's a lot of things we don't do well and we're really good at presenting to the world hey look I'm, I'm good in this area I can do this but we're also real good at hiding everything else and saying yeah but please don't look but behind the curtain you know, when I was a child, my, my mom would ask me to clean my bedroom sometimes, and, and my trick for it was always just take all the mess and shove it in the closet, put it on the far side of the bed so that when you're walking by the bedroom, it looks pretty good, right? But mom, don't open the closet, right? It's the same way. In our lives, we present ourselves as pretty well put together, but we know that there's a lot of things on the inside or a lot of things that we're not showing everybody that need a lot of work. But here's the thing. All of us are like that. There's not a single one of us that has all of our ducks in a row. Some of us don't even know we have ducks. We think we've got chickens, right? And, and so we're busy doing one thing instead of the other. And so, you know, when God comes to you and he says, I want you to do this. I want you to, to uh, be this, do this for my kingdom. Be this kind of person. Accomplish this sort of task. We're like, God, don't ask me. I'm barely holding myself together over here. I'm incompetent, right? And so we need to learn how to see ourselves clearly. One of the reasons I love reading the Bible is because it's full of a bunch of people who don't have themselves together, just like me. When I look through Scripture, almost every single person in here, you can look and see a, some sort of fault or some sort of shortcoming that would have disqualified them from being the person that God had called them to be or for, from doing the task that God had called them to do. Some of them were called to, to rescue entire nations. They were called to change laws. They were called to minister to people and, and perform miracles and speak on, on the Lord's behalf. Not a single one of them was all perfect. And I can give you many examples. We can look at Moses, right? Moses, uh, he, at, 
at his call, when God's talking to him out of the burning bush, what does Moses say? Moses, say, Moses says, I'm not even a good speaker. I can't get up and talk in front of people. And on top of that, when we look at Moses' story, we see that he dealt with a lot of anger issues as well. So not only was he not a good speaker, but he had some anger issues. And God still says, hey, I want you to be the leader of my people. I want you to go down and get them set free. Now, some of you guys, uh, I see a few side eyes looking back and forth. Just because I said anger issues doesn't mean you get to throw somebody under the bus, right? But anyway, Moses is a great example. Other ones we can look at. Gideon in the Bible. When the angel comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I want you to lead my army, uh, lead my people. We're going to throw off the oppressors. What was Gideon? Gideon was a big chicken, right? He was indecisive. He, he, he asked for multiple signs from God before he would even think about saying yes. And the whole time he was hiding. In fact, even on the eve of battle, God knew that even though God, Gideon had begun to follow him, had begun to follow his directions, he still needed some reassurance. So before the battle, God said, listen, I want you to sneak over there and listen what they're saying about you. You are going to whoop their tails because I, this is what I've called you to do, and you need to stop doubting yourself. So Gideon, he was, he was chicken and he was indecisive. We look at Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph uh, saved his whole family, an entire nation, from a terrible famine. And yet Joseph was very unpopular. He was so unpopular, people wanted to kill him. His own family wanted to kill him, right? And they said it would be better off if he was out of our life. Uh, Samson, we look at his life. He had many problems, some of which is that he was impulsive. Anybody here impulsive? Right? Anybody, you go into the grocery store for, for bread and eggs and you come out with $200 worth of groceries and half, half of it is Cheetos, right? Anybody else do that, right? Samson was impulsive. It got him into trouble over and over in his life. And not only was he impulsive, he was an instigator. There would be times when things were going wrong, uh, not too bad, and then Samson would go poke his nose and cause a problem. And so, you know, there were even portions of the Bible where it said, Samson, why have you done this to, uh, to us? You, you've stirred up the Philistines against us. You've made this worse. You're supposed to be our judge. You're supposed to be our leader. You're supposed to be helping us. And instead, you're making things worse. Samson was impulsive and an instigator, but God still used him. Peter, one of, my favorite disciple. Why is he my favorite? Because he's stubborn, like me. He's stubborn, he's argumentative. Peter was so stubborn and he was so argumentative, he even felt like it was okay to, to put Jesus in his place. When Jesus talked to the disciples, we talked about this in Wednesday night in our Bible study, uh, when, when Jesus began to reveal to them, hey, listen, you, you know that I'm the Messiah, but let me tell you what that really means. That, that doesn't mean I'm going to set this country free and that we're going to throw off the Roman oppressors or anything like that. No, the fact that I'm the Messiah means that I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be humiliated, I'm going to be tortured i'm going to be killed and peter was like wait a minute jesus you're not there's there's no way you know he he felt like it was his place to argue with jesus himself and so uh that's why peter's my favorite because there's many times where i feel like it's it's my place to set god straight listen god you're not doing this right if you would just ask me i got a great plan for this but anyway peter argumentative uh, and stubborn and then paul you know, who wrote most of the New Testament. He himself had many shortcomings. I mean, he, he was literally complicit in the murder of an innocent man. And he, uh, although he was zealous, he was zealous in the wrong way, and he used that zeal to hurt other people. And yet this is the person that God calls to be his apostle to the Gentiles. So 
God used a lot of people in the Bible, even though there were a, a laundry list of reasons that should disqualify them, that should make them incapable of doing what God had called them to do. There are even people in the Bible who didn't even believe in God. They, they, they didn't serve God. They were foreigners. They didn't even know who God was, and yet it says that God still used them. If you look in the Old Testament, there are many people who are called the Messiah in the Old Testament. And you say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the Messiah. Well, a Messiah just means anointed one. And there were many people in the Old Testament who uh, they're described as the anointed one. God was going to use them for a purpose. And there's one famous example is Cyrus. He was the Persian king. So he didn't even believe in the Israelite God. He didn't believe in in the God that we serve, and yet he was called the Messiah. Why? Because God had anointed him and set him apart for a purpose. So here's the thing. We don't always see ourselves correctly. Identity is a huge issue right now. People are trying to figure out who I am, especially our young folks. They're trying to figure out who am I? What do I believe? What am I going to do with my life? And our identity is such a core part of who we are. If we don't see ourselves correctly, then we're not going to be able to do the things that God does. So here, we're reading this passage. Now, there are some people who like to take the scripture and they want to take it and they want to just break it down or, or just apply it to themselves without thinking about it. Well, here's what I want to tell you. This passage, this was God talking to Jeremiah. He was calling Jeremiah to be a prophet. That doesn't mean he's called you to be a prophet, but he has called you to something. So what is that thing that God has called you to do? And if God has called you to it, he must see something in you that you don't see yourself. So, you know, how many times have we seen somebody who, you know, they, they're, they're challenged, you know, maybe a coach or a teacher throws an extra challenge at somebody and they rise to the occasion. That teacher, that coach saw something within them that they didn't see in themselves. And yet when the moment came, they rose to that level and they were able to do things that they didn't even think that they were capable of. So I want to encourage you today that if the Lord has called you to something, if the Lord has put a task or a burden on your heart, don't start by doing what Jeremiah did and try to disqualify yourself and pass the buck on to somebody else. It takes all of us doing whatever God has called us to do to make uh, the, the kingdom run the way it's supposed to be and for your life to work the way it's supposed to be. I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago about how, you know, when I was younger, a, a young man, I thought I had my life planned out. I am a planner. I want to see the path forward. I want to know that I'm making forward progress. I don't want to feel like I'm just spinning the wheels or, or I don't know what I'm doing. But here's the thing. The plan that I had for my life was not the plan that God had for my life. And there were several years where I tried to negotiate with God and I tried to disqualify myself from doing the things that I knew God was calling me to do. God, I can't be that person. I can't do those things. I don't have those abilities. And besides that, I have all these shortcomings. And yet God is not asking for a perfect servant. God's asking for a willing servant. God's asking for a teachable servant. God's asking for someone who will listen to his words and do them. And that's all it takes. So before we, can be, you know, to, before we can do anything with success in our lives, before we can pursue God and, and, and accomplish those things that he has designed us to do, the plan that he had before we were even born, we have to see ourselves correctly. All right, the second passage that we're going to look at, we're going to skip down a little bit down to verse 11. 
Uh, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, That's right, and it means that I am watching, and I will certainly carry out all my plans. Then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, What do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, the Lord said, For terror from the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I'm calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. Let's say that again. I, the Lord, have spoken. So in this passage, we're going to see that we have to see our situations clearly. All right, so when you're looking at this, God has just called Jeremiah to be his prophet. I'm going to give you a message. I'm going to put words in your mouth. I'm going to give you something that I need you to speak to my people. But rather than just throwing him in the deep end and saying, okay, I'm going to give you all these points and you need to go say it, God struck up a conversation with Jeremiah. He started saying, okay, I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to start opening your eyes. I'm going to teach you how to see the world behind the world and see what's really going on and not just the physical facts in front of you. And so I wanted to offer a couple thoughts here. Uh, first of all, this, this first vision that uh, he talks about, he says, well, what do you see? I see an almond tree. And for, for us, because we don't speak Hebrew, that, that's kind of a confusing thing because the, the Lord says uh, the almond tree means that I'm watching. Well, when you look at it in, in Hebrew, Hebrew is uh, most words come from three-letter roots. And they would take those three-letter roots and then they would change them in different ways. And so a word might be a, a, a different word, but it's related because it uses similar letters. The whole point was is it's, it's supposed to carry a connotation along with it. So when we read this in the Hebrew, it says, it talks about how uh, God is watching, and that is the Hebrew word shoked, S-H-Q-D, really is what it is, because they didn't even have vowels in there at that point. So shoked, S-H-Q-D, that means I'm watching. That same word or those same letters can also mean almond tree. You just change the vowels a little bit. So God is using something that, that, he, that Jeremiah sees in his everyday life, and he says, let me tell you the spiritual impact of this. Now, even today, we know that Jeremiah came from a, a region or, or a village called Anathoth. If you go and you visit that place today, it is still a center for almond production. So he would have seen almond trees everywhere. So honestly, for, uh, for Jeremiah, he was probably a little bit confused because, you know, he's just walking along and God says, hey, what do you see? Well, he looks around and it's like, well, this is what I've always seen all my life. Well, what do you see? Well, I, I mean, I guess I'll pick something out. I, I see an almond tree over there. And even that, God was saying, yes, I'm going to start showing you what's going on. That almond tree is to become a symbol for you that I'm watching. Um, watching is, is a comforting thing. When we know that somebody is watching out for us, someone is looking out for us, that is something that we can take comfort in. You know, when we're very young, uh, we go around and we're oblivious to all the dangers in the world. That's why so many parents get so stressed out because you're running around just trying to keep your kids not from killing themselves. What are you doing? You can't eat that. You know, please don't stick that in your ear. You know, all kinds of different things that, that we need to be protected from. And parents watch over us. They protect us. God was trying to say the same thing. I'm watching, 
and he was using this almond tree. And then the same thing with this boiling pot. I mentioned that Jeremiah came from a priestly family. Now, I don't know if it was the ceremonial pots that they would use during the sacrifices, but one of the parts of the sacrifice is they would bring the animal to be sacrificed. The priest would take a portion of that meat and put it in the boiling water and cook it, and then you and the priest and, and, and your family would eat that meat in the presence of the Lord. And then, you know, parts of the offering were burned, parts were consumed because God was sharing part of that blessing with you. So I don't know if that was the pot that he was seeing or if it was just a standard everyday cooking pot. It could have been the one that they were stewing their underwear in, you know, trying to clean them out. I don't know which kind of pot it was, but uh, God was saying, see that pot? It's more than just a pot. It represents something. Why? Because this pot was tipped over and it was coming from the north. And you say, well, that's silly. You know, we, we can't just look at everything in life and say, what's the spiritual meaning of that? And that's not what we're intended to do. God doesn't say, you know, this is, this is an amp speaker. You know, we use that as a monitor on stage. I could say to God, what's the spiritual truth of that speaker? But sometimes a speaker is just a speaker, right? A chair is just a chair, and a pile of dirty laundry just means you need to get off the couch. Uh, but there can be spiritual truths that the Lord will speak to you. But he will do that in subtle ways. You have to learn how to listen. You have to have your ears open. And sometimes you have to just say to God, God, what does this mean? Um, Jeremiah, his ministry as a prophet was not a very good ministry. And, and what do you mean by that? What I'm saying is the messages that he was given were often not good news. Um, in fact, uh, if you kind of sum up a lot of the, the, the big, they have a, a group of the prophets they call the major prophets because they wrote some of the most extended portions of the prophetic word. And, um, you know, uh, one theologian, Feinberg, he sums them up like this. He says, Isaiah, he's telling us all about the salvation of the Lord, how God is going to save us. Ezekiel shows us the glory of the Lord. It's, it's weird, it's confusing, it's, it's awe-inspiring, but it's the glory of the Lord. Daniel talks to us about the kingdom of the Lord, how God is going to establish his reign and rule, how he is sovereign, and how he controls uh, the, the, the working out of history. But, Ezekiel, but Jeremiah... His job all the time was to go around proclaiming the Lord's judgment. That's all he got to do pretty much is go around and tell people, hey, listen, God's getting ready to judge us. If we look historically where he was um, functioning as a prophet, he was in that period right before uh, Israel went into captivity. And so, you know, that's not a really great time in Israel's history. Things were on a rapid decline. Things were going downhill. And the Lord was telling Jeremiah, listen, I need you to speak to my people. And this is not a good time. These are trying times. In fact, Jeremiah sometimes is called the weeping prophet. Because not only did he have to give bad news to his people who he loved, but because he was giving bad news, he was not a very popular character, you know. Um, he, he, when he would come and he'd say, listen, I've got a word from the Lord for you, you probably knew, oh man, what, what is it this time? <laughs> you know, what, what, what bad news, what delivery are you, do you have for me this time? But Jeremiah, because he was always giving bad news, that led to him being threatened. It led to him being arrested. He was uh, put in stocks. They abandoned him in the bottom of a well. They did all kinds of things to him because they did not like what he had to say. 
But the reality was, it wasn't his words. He wasn't trying to be negative. He was just telling them, this is what the Lord has to say. We live in a tough, in a tough time, and we've done some things that have, have brought us to a place where we're now going to face some judgment. And so he had to deliver some messages, and he had to function in a very difficult time. In fact, not only did Jeremiah try to disqualify himself earlier on, but if you read further in the book, you go into Jeremiah chapter 20, it says he got so tired of giving bad news and everybody being mad at him and being upset with him and attacking him he said I tried to just stop I tried to just say you know what I'm not going to even mention the Lord's name anymore because every time I do I just get myself in trouble everybody hates me nobody likes me I think I'll eat a can of worms but here's what he said he said when I tried to stop talking about the Lord I couldn't help myself it was like a fire shut up in my bones and I just could not stop saying the things that God had put into my spirit to say God's word became a burden for him. It wasn't something fun, and yet he knew that that was what he'd been called to do. Here's the thing, though. If you're going through a tough time, that, that's hard. It's, it's hurtful. It's confusing, and, and, and it's not pleasant. But here's the thing. If you are hearing from the Lord during those tough times, that can be a source of hope because you're like, God, I'm dealing with some things that I don't like. I'm facing some situations that aren't so pretty. I'm dealing with some things that are hurtful. I'm dealing with some things that are confusing. But if God is still speaking to you, then you can be comforted and know that God is still working in that situation. He's still bringing out uh, a, a conclusion to that situation, even though you're having to go through some pretty difficult times. In my own life, there have been times where I was struggling. I was dealing with things that were overwhelming to me. I mean, there were times where I, it was like, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't cry anymore tears. I can't pray anymore prayers. I can't fast anymore meals. I can't go to another church service. Uh, I can't listen to another sermon. I can't sing another song. And, and I would get to a place where it was like, God, I'm depleted. I'm done. I don't have anything else left in the tank. But God was still speaking to me through that whole process. And I was able to say, you know what? This situation is terrible. I wish it was different. I don't know how I'm going to even drag myself out of bed tomorrow. But God is still speaking to me through all of this. So even though I don't see the answer, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, the fact that God is speaking to me gives me hope to try one more day. I can get up one more day. And I don't know that the problem's going to be fixed tomorrow. But if God is still speaking to me, if I'm hearing his voice, then I know that he's real. And I know that he's working on my behalf. He's watching over me, just like he told Jeremiah. And that is what gave me the ability to try one more time when I thought I couldn't do it anymore. Jeremiah what was a weeping prophet. The call that he was given was not a good call. It was a, it was a call that required sacrifice. It literally caused his own family to turn against him. And they, 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 they said, get out of here. You're causing trouble. No one likes you, and we don't like you either, so get out of Dodge. It's a terrible situation to be in. It was what he was called to do. And so Jeremiah, though, he had to see the situation clearly. God spoke to Jeremiah using everyday items, giving him deeper insights that allowed him to help his community. He began to see the reality behind the reality. He began to see, you know, this, this situation 
is not just a physical situation, there is a spiritual element to it as well. See, that is one, one of the things that our society today doesn't understand. They look at the world through material eyes. It's if I need to be able to see it, touch it, feel it, smell it, taste it, and if I can't do that, it's not real. I, I deal in, in the factual. I deal in the, the concrete that, that's in front of me. But here's the thing. There is a spiritual truth behind all of the other things that are going on. And as we begin to talk to the Lord and listen to Him, He'll give us deeper insight into what's really going on. You might say, well, why does it have to be this way? He'll let you see that, hey, listen, this is a spiritual attack. Or you might see that the reason this person is reacting in this way is because they've got some things in their life that I'm trying to get out of their life, that I'm trying to work through them. And God will let you begin to see behind the curtain into the spiritual realm to see those battles that are going on. Um, how many of you guys like to watch Netflix, right? Or Hulu or, or uh, Paramount Plus, whatever it is. We got our favorite shows, right? Some of us have a, a queue a mile long of shows that we want to watch. And there, there's a big debate lately, and it says, well, what's the best re, uh, model to release these new TV shows? You know, if it's an 8 or a 10 or a 12 episode season, should we drop it all at once so that people can go home and binge watch it all at once and get it over with? Or should we steady drip it out, you know, one episode per week? Now, when I was younger, that was all you could do. You had no choice, right? You turn the TV on, and, and your favorite program, it came on Thursday nights at 8 p.m., and, and it, after you watched it, you had to wait till the next week. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was even a famous part of the old Batman show, right? Uh, will Batman get out of it? Will Robin be able to save him? Tune in next time, next, same bat time, same bat channel, right? And we're going to use the same bat shark, shark repellent or whatever it was. But the point was is that it was dripped out to you. So um, one of the things that I enjoy about that weekly release schedule is that gives you an opportunity to really chew on things and think about it and talk it over. Recently, I was watching a television show with one of my friends. He started watching it at the same time that I did, and the show we were watching was released. It was every Thursday night, and so we would call each other after the show. So we would watch it, and then I, we would call each other, and then we'd start talking about, oh, did you see it? Oh, I loved this scene, or that funny, that joke was so funny, and we would start to dig into it and like really digest it, and I realized that I was enjoying watching the show so much more because I wasn't just consume it, move on to the next thing. I was thinking on it. I was dwelling on it I was saying oh hey did you see this or did you see that and then by talking to somebody else I was be, I was getting deeper insights because they were saying oh you missed this or you missed that line of dialogue and this explains this that happened earlier in the season or this is maybe foreshadowing something to come and we would theorize about what was coming next and and God wants to do the same thing in our lives he doesn't want us to just hit it and move on to the next thing all right I dealt with this crisis let's go to the next thing I dealt with this let's go to the next thing sometimes uh, I've even joked that uh, my job is not pastor, I'm a firefighter, because it seems like that's what you do. You go around, you put out fires. Well, this person is in the hospital. Let's go deal with them. Let's pray for them, make sure they have what they need. This family is dealing with, uh, you know, the, the, the mom and the dad are at odds, and, and they need some counseling, they need some assistance. You go over and you deal with that. Or we've got this program at the church, and we need more volunteers, or, or whatever it is. It seems like no matter uh, what you do, there's always a fire to put out. But God doesn't want us to just go around, running around without a plan. He wants us to see what's going on behind the scenes. He wants to understand it in a deep way. And so these everyday conversations can happen so easily. All we have to do is say, God, 
why is this happening? God, what are you trying to say here? God, why, it, it, you know, why did this play out the way it played out? And then God will give you insight that will allow you to understand things better. All right, let's move on to the next uh, passage. This is Jeremiah. We're going to skip back to verse 9. It says, Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth, and he said, Look, I've put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. In this passage, Jeremiah begins to see the kingdom currently. We see six instructions in this passage. All right, it says uproot, says tear down, destroy, and overflow, or overthrow. That's four things that God is telling Jeremiah that he's going to have to do, and not a single one of them is positive, are they? Destroy, tear down, uproot, overthrow, all of those things. Those are all negative things. And notice that there's the four negatives before you can get to the two positives. That reveals to us a spiritual truth. Just like Jeremiah's ministry was going to be a, a lot of negativity, there was a lot of things that had to be rooted out. There was a lot of things that had to be broken down or taken, up, uh, taken apart. God does that in us. Anytime we're going to do something, there's a lot of negative prep work that has to go into it first. You have to get a lot of things out of your life before God can begin building something positive in your life. Last week, I was invited uh, over to the Williams house, and uh, many of you guys know that they, they recently bought an old farmhouse, and they're beginning the process of restoring it and, and uh, doing the work to get it up to you know, modern standards and make it nice and livable, and, uh, and they've gotten into it, and they've realized it's a bigger project than we even thought it was going to be, but I will tell you this. Even though they were a little overwhelmed when I got there, after we ate our dinner and, and they were walking me around the property showing me everything, you could just see the sparkle in their eyes start to light up when they talked about, you know, hey, th look at this. This is so cool. This is our plan for this room. This is what we're going to do in here. And, and, and look what we found when we tore this wall out. And, and you start to see that excitement begin to build. And, and you say, well, how can they, they get excited with all of the destruction, you know, if you look at pictures nowadays, I mean, their house is a mess. They've got all the walls torn down. They've got windows taken out. They've got all kinds of mess going on. But there has to be a lot of mess that happens first before they can build it and put it back the way it's supposed to be. And it's the same way in our lives. When we come to Christ and we say, God, I'm going to start following you more. A lot of the things that God's going to deal with you, it's going to be tearing down some things. It says, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that unforgiveness that you've been carrying around for a few years. It's not going to be fun. It ain't going to be pretty learning how to deal with it. But we're going to root that out of your life. We're going to get that out of there permanently. There are other things, there are habits sometimes where, you know, God teaches us, hey, you've, got to, you've fallen into this negative habit. It's not getting you where you need to be. I'm going to help you get that out of your life. And God will do a lot of negative work. And you might say, well, well, well why is God doing so many negative things if earlier on we said he made us the way we are? Well, we live in a fallen and sinful world. He made us, he gave us a lot of things, but we are still dealing with the after effects of sin. We live in a sinful society, you know, and, and, and I say that not as a, a form of judgment. I don't want to say that everybody that we pass in the street is a terrible person. It's not that. It's just that they're sinners. And I can say that because I'm one too, right? I know there's a lot of things in my life that God needs to get out of me. And yet I, I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to focus on the hard work that has to be done. I want to say, hey, God, show me the building plan. Show me what's going to be happening in the future. I want to get to that part because that sounds fun. You know, that's the part where you can step back and say, wow, this is awesome. When uh, 
I, I don't have to do a lot of yard work anymore because Joe and Verna take care of a lot of that for me now that I live over there in the Parsons. But one of the things that I used to love to do after I would finish doing all my yard work for the day, I've cut the grass, I've raked up the clippings, I've trimmed the bushes, uh, I've, I've raked the leaves, I've got the mulch spread. There's nothing I like better than stepping back. You get, get all the way back to the sidewalk on the side of the road and you just stand there, put your hands on your hips and you're like, wow. That looks pretty awesome, right? You appreciate it, and you're like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. Now, that's the payoff that you get for all the hard work that you put into it. You had to tear out bushes. You had to, sometimes you were digging out poison ivy or poison sumac, or, or you're having to, to, to dig up until your garden, and you're pulling rocks out of the ground, or you're, you're replacing things, or you're pressure washing. It's like, how can a house get dirty? It's just sitting there, right? And yet, uh, mold and, and all kinds of stuff will grow on the side of it. And if you don't stay on top of it, it's going to start breaking down real quick. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But when you do those things and you do all those negative, uh, all that negative hard work, then you can step back and appreciate the positive things that God is bringing. So, uh, Jeremiah had to do a lot of that. He had to see the kingdom as it currently was. Because he was talking to God, because he was in a constant conversation with the Lord, the Lord was telling him, hey, this is what's going on. That gave him a blueprint. So we have to learn how to talk to God because that's the only way we're going to be able to understand what God's doing. If we're not listening to his voice, we don't know what to do next. I read a news report earlier this week about a family uh, who they uh, received a notice from the city that their house had been sold at auction for unpaid taxes. And they said, no, wait a minute. We've been living in this house for 20 years now. We've paid our taxes every year. We pay our property taxes. What had happened was they had bought lot 94 in their subdivision and their uh, contractor, when he came in to build the house, he built the house on lot 95. And so even though they'd been paying their mortgage and they'd been paying their taxes, they'd been doing all that and paying it on the lot next door. And so the empty lot, which was where their house was supposed to be, had not been having the taxes paid. So the city said, well, we're just going to sell that to auction, you know, and get our money back for the taxes. And so they had to go through a whole legal process to fix this on, on a house that they'd been paying the mortgage on for 20 years and they'd been paying the taxes on for 20 years because it's not like you could just pick the house up and move it over to the next lot. <laughs> you can't do that. And it wasn't their mistake to begin with. And yet they had to go through a whole big lengthy process to figure out what happened. And, and I have to imagine that that contractor was kicking himself because all he had to do was double check, hey, am I, I'm not even on the right lot, you know, and yet he got that far down the process. I mean, it had been decades since that contractor had made that mistake. They were left cleaning it up later. It's all because he didn't check the plan. He didn't check the blueprint. I mean, it's not just a contractor. You have building inspectors, right, that come out and they have to sign off on the house. You have those bank loan officers that were supposed to make sure all the paperwork was in order. So it wasn't just one person's mistake. There was a lot of people who made some mistakes, and then they were left cleaning it all up, all because they didn't check the plan, they didn't check the blueprint. God has a plan and a blueprint, blueprint for what he's doing. He has a plan for our families. He has a plan for us as individuals. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan for this city. We need to figure out what he's doing, and we need to check and double check that the, that the work we're putting in is what needs to be done and not making some mistake that's getting us off on a different path. Uh, Justin, if you want to join me, we're getting up here towards the end. So becoming this C student, Jeremiah, as he learned to follow God, he had to begin to see himself correctly. 
Or, and, and then he had to see the situation clearly. And then he had to see the kingdom currently. He had to learn how to do all of those things. But here's how I want to encourage you today. C students are not the best students in the class. They don't get the top grades. They're not the, 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 the teacher's pet. You know, they're not the ones that are getting called out all the time. They're not perfect students. But if you look at it, they don't have to be. You don't have to be perfect to get a passing grade, do you? And as we look at our lives, we realize that I'm imperfect. We realize that I make mistakes. All we need to do is be like a C student. You don't have to get all the questions right, but you just got to get most of them right most of the time. But you're not going to do that if you're not putting in a little work. I know some people who claim that they could pass any test without having to study, without having to read the book or anything, and maybe they can. But all I know is that if I want to make sure I pass the test, what do I do? I study. I read the books. I do the assignments. I do the hard work. And it's the same way in our life. You know, we have to, we have a textbook we're supposed to study. We're supposed to get in that and look at it. Now, you don't have to read the whole thing cover to cover in a week. You could chew on just a little bit of it at a time. And I'll tell you, there are times when I have tried to be so rigid about my Bible reading that I've set myself up for failure. I will say, I'm going to read this many chapters per day. And you do that day after day after day after day. And I get to the point where I realize I'm not even really paying attention to what God's trying to say here. I'm just letting it go in one ear and out the other so that I can check it off that I read my chapters for the day. And you want to know how I fix that? I say, God, I'm going to read one or two verses and see what you're saying here. I'm going to spend all day long thinking about this one or two sentences here. And hopefully it'll be something that God can use to speak into my life. And you get more out of that than you do reading the, the ten chapters or whatever it is, that goal that you set for yourself. But you have to study if you want to pass that test. The other thing you got to put in the work. You can't just read the book. you got to do the assignments. And sometimes, I, when I was a student, I hated busy work. You know, we've all known, uh, or we can all think of things that we would consider busy work. Right? This isn't important. This is, just, this is just something to waste my time. But if you're a teacher, you understand that getting people to do things repeatedly, it ingrains it in them. It helps them see the process. And then those students that were struggling and they weren't able to string the letters together and to make the words or they weren't able to make the, the math figures come out correctly as they did that process over and over again and practiced it, suddenly it would click for them and something that was impossible for them to do before is now possible. So why do we do things like go to church week after week after week? Why do we do things like pray day after day after day? Why do we do things like give and give and give? Why? Because it will click for us when we repeat the process over and over and over again. If we're going to be C students, we have to learn, we have to study, we have to adapt, we have to grow. You know, you, you can't do things the same way if you're trying to learn something new. And that was one of the things that used to drive me nuts in math class because they would show you, well, you can fit, get your answer by doing these three steps, A, B, C, right? And then the next week they'd say, we're going to solve the same problem, but we're going to use a different method to solve it. We're going to use steps D, E, F. And I would say, well, why do I need to learn D, E, F? I just want to learn A, B, C. I already know how to do this. And I would feel like that was busy work and I would get frustrated and I'd say, why am I doing the same problem over again? But it was because they were trying to give me more tools in my box to be able to deal and handle with and adapt and overcome because there are some problems where ABC is not going to give you the answer. You need that tool. You need those DEFs in your pocket so that you can use them to overcome. It's the same way with God. 
So God is in, he has a plan for us. He has things that he wants you to accomplish in your life. And he knew it was not going to be easy. It was going to be hard work. Jeremiah was going to face a lot. And so that's why God encouraged Jeremiah. If we turn to verses 18 through 19, listen to what God says to Jeremiah. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a teenager and he's telling him, I've got a plan for you. I've, got, I've, I've, I've had this mapped out before you were even born. And let me tell you something, it's not going to be comfortable. In fact, when you read uh, earlier on, it says you're going to stand against nations and kingdoms. It says the, the, the kings and the, and the priests and, and everybody. No one's going to like what you have to say because the message that I have to deliver isn't a great message. But here's what God said to Jeremiah. He said, see today, I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured. Like an iron pillar or a bronze wall, you will stand against the whole land, the kings, the officials, the priests, and the people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail, for I am with you, and I will take care of you. And here's that phrase again, I, the Lord, have spoken. Let's say that together. I, the Lord, have spoken. Here's the bottom line. If we are going to become students, and and that's what a disciple is, right? We're, we look at Jesus and we say, teach me, show me, get, reveal to me, model a, a way for me to live that helps me to accomplish those things that, that I'm supposed to do. And so a, a, a student is a disciple. Disciple is a student. But if we are going to become these C students, we have to trade two more C words. I told you I was going to get a little punny today. Ben groans sometimes at some of my jokes and I'm like, it's because of you that I have the right to tell these puns right? I have earned that. But listen, here's the bottom line. C students, they trade confusion for clarity. Sometimes we're in situations where we're like, I don't understand this. I, I, you, when, when we're in a confusing situation, there's a lot of emotions that can pop up in our lives. We can feel hurt. God, why? Why? I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. It, it hurts to be rejected. It hurts to be uh, talked about. It hurts to be uh, ignored. It hurts, I mean, so many different things in our life can cause us hurt. And we get confused about that because we think, what did I do to deserve that? So sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes we're frustrated because we're like, God, I'm confused. I have tried and I've tried and I've tried and I just feel like I'm beating my head against the wall because everything I'm trying isn't working. And you reach a place where you're like, well, God, I can't do anything else. That can be a place of confusion. Sometimes we just feel overwhelmed. You know, I told you, I told you about visiting the Williams. That was that was how the conversation started. It was a lot of overwhelm because as we first started walking around, they were saying, look, we got to do this. Then we got to come over here and we got to do this. And we're waiting on this contractor to come out and do this. And you could just see the overwhelm in their life. But then as they began to talk about the plan, they began to see the plan. They began to imagine the plan. What happened? They came to life again and they moved past that point of confusion and they reached a point of clarity. The clarity was this is where we're going. Yeah, where we're at isn't fun. Where we're at is, is it's more than we, we bit off more than we thought we were going to get to. But we have this plan and that's where we're headed. So even though I'm not enjoying the process at the moment, I'm getting to a place where I'm, I've, I've got a clear picture of where we're going. We have a destination in place. Some of us today in this house are confused. That doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means that you need to see a bigger picture. 
You need to get a godly perspective on what you're going through. So whether that is a struggle in your family, whether it is a work situation that seems untenable. I was talking with someone the other day who was telling me about their job and how you know, their, their bosses are changing policies and doing things to them. And they're, they're like, they don't understand how hard this is making. We can't even do the job they want us to do. They're making it more difficult for us. And you can complain, but all they say is, well, sorry, that's the job. You know? And so they don't see the bigger picture. But we need to get a, a godly perspective on things. Some of us, we, we say, God, why am I dealing with this physical ailment? Why me? Why am I having to deal with that? It's not fair, right? Why does this person get to be healthy and then I have to deal with all this mess? Some of us are dealing with uh, children that are struggling and, and dealing with the, um, I mean, a lot of different things. It could be poor choices they're making. It could be, um, you know, they're, they're still just figuring out who they are, you know, and, and the kind of things that they're supposed to do. And we're confused about it. It's hurt. And, and, and we need God to give us a better picture of things. So here's the thing. We can all be C students. We might not all be A students. We might not all be top of the class and have all of our things figured out, but we can do it well enough. And all it takes is reading the book, doing the homework assignments, moving on, and God will replace the confusion and the hurt and the frustration and all of that, and He will give us clarity. He'll give us hope. And so even if we're like Jeremiah where we're like, God, I don't like this job you've given me. I don't like what I'm having to do right now. I don't like what I'm going through. I know that you are here, that you're speaking to me, and that we're going to get to a better place. So, if you all stand to your feet today, we're going to pray together. Each one of us has a struggle that we're going through. And we don't like to admit it. In fact, there's some of us that we would, we would rather die than admit that we, we're struggling with something. There are some of us who, the way our personality is, is written into to our bodies, it's that to admit that I'm struggling in a certain area, it's just antithetical to who I am. Because I need to be successful, I need to look put together, I need to look like I've got everything going, through, going right in my life. So each of us has something that we're struggling with. But here's what I want to say to you today. The things that you're dealing with, you might say, I'm not up to the challenge. Just like Jeremiah, you might say, I'm too young. I want to encourage you today to get that lie out of your head. Because God made you. It says He formed us in our mother's wombs. He made us who we are. He gave us the personality and the gifts and the talents and the abilities that we have. He gave us all the tools we need. So you need to get that lie out of your head. Then you need to see your situation clearly. Some of us are under a spiritual attack. Some of us have the enemy actively working against us. And we need to see that for what it is. And we need to take the authority over the situation and tell the enemy, I'm not letting you win this battle. You're not having this. You're not getting my kid. You're not, you're not touching my family. We take authority in those situations. I will tell you this. There was a time in my life where I felt like I was... I didn't understand why I was going through the situation I was going through. And I began to pray and I said, God, get, help me to see what, what's going on here. I don't, I'm confused. I don't know why I'm going through this. And I began to pray and I said, God, show me what's really going on. But then you want to know what happened? I chickened out. You, you want to know why? Because I thought, well, what if I don't like what God shows me? What if I really am under some sort of spiritual attack? 
That's kind of scary. I don't want to know. I'd rather pretend like it wasn't happening. But that's not what God wants to do. God doesn't want us operating in fear. He wants to show us what's really going on. And then when you see the real problem behind the problem, then you can deal with it. How, every single parent in this room has dealt with a, with a cranky, young, toddler child, right? And it's really it's just a problem-solving problem, right? Are they hungry? Are they sleepy? You know, uh, when's the last time they had their diaper changed? You just go down the list. Eventually, you'll figure out what's the problem, you know? And sometimes the problem was us because we let them stay up too late the night before or we pumped them full of sugar or whatever it is. Sometimes we do those things, but it, 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 that's all it is. It's just problem solving. You've got to get to the problem behind the situation you're dealing with. So God wants us to see clearly. And then finally, he wants us to see the blueprint for the kingdom currently. He wants us to see what he's doing right now. He wants to show you what he's doing in your life. He wants to show you what he's doing in your workplace. He wants to show you what he's doing in in your family. He wants to show you what he's doing in our city. God will speak to us and tell us what he's doing. And then when we know what's really going on, when we understand that this this opioid crisis that we're facing in our state, we see that this is not uh, a, a just a physical addiction problem it's a spiritual problem when we see families that are struggling and breaking apart we see that's not just a relational problem that's a spiritual problem when we see that we're struggling financially uh, it's not just uh, a, a, a bad luck it's a spiritual problem God will show us what's really going on so that we can make sure that we're tackling the appropriate things and accomplishing what he's called us to do so here's the thing today All of us have a struggle. All of us have something that we're not looking forward to. Some of us are working in jobs that just make us dread the next morning. I don't even want to roll out of bed because I'm going to have to deal with that boss or I'm going to have to deal with that coworker. Some of us don't even want to go home. We're trying to think of, well, maybe I can go golfing three days this week. That way I don't have to deal with my family, right? (laughs) Or, Or maybe we're just thinking, I don't even want to check my bank balance because I know it's going to be scary when I look at it. Whatever your situation, whatever you're dealing with, we're going to pray right now that God will replace the confusion and give us clarity. So let's, let's pray today. Father God, I just want to thank you for today and for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, I thank you that this message that was given to Jeremiah thousands of years ago can still give us insight into what we're going into today. Lord, so many times we struggle to to feel confident in who we are. We struggle to feel confident and competent and, and able to do the things that you've called us to do. But Lord, we see the lie of that because Lord, we know that you formed us, you made us. Lord, sometimes we're facing situations that seem confusing and we don't see what's really going on behind the scenes. Lord, I pray that you would give us clarity and help us to see uh, the, the reality of the situations that we're facing. And Lord, finally, for those of us who are confused, Lord, I want you to show us what you're doing in the kingdom currently. That's an encouragement to us. That gives us hope to know that while we might be facing something that we would rather not deal with, that there's a plan behind it and that there's a light at the end of that tunnel and that someday we're going to be in your presence and we're going to say, man, God, you did some amazing things and I'm glad that I was able to be a small part of it. Lord, so I pray that if there's anybody in this house that's struggling, that has been trying to disqualify themselves from the things that you're calling them to do, Lord, I pray that you would give them courage to see that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to have all the answers. They just have to have an answer, and that answer is you. 
Lord, for those people who are needing some better insight, Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes. Uh, make us open to the conversations you're trying to have to us so that we can see what the problem is, the actual problem that we're dealing with. Give us that insight. Give us that wisdom. Let your Holy Spirit whisper those things, those reminders into our spirit to help us know what we should do next. And Lord, finally, for those who who are just they don't see the end of this, they, they, they don't see the end of the situation, they don't see with clarity where you're taking us. Lord, I pray that you would give them a vision and a hope. I hope that you would, or I pray that you would ignite an excitement within them to say, Lord, the situation and, and the things that I'm dealing with right now aren't fun, but there's a, a road, there's a destination I'm headed to. So, Lord God, as we leave today, I pray that everyone would be encouraged. Lord, I pray that you would help us to stew and to think on these things that you've revealed to us today and help us to see that we don't have to be A students. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to get it right most of the time. And we're going to do that by trusting you, trusting the process, studying the book, doing the assignments, and listening to your instructions. Father God, we love you and we pray today for any of our family members that are struggling with healing. Lord, I pray that you would touch their bodies and begin to heal and knit their bodies together. Lord, some that are dealing with cancer or injuries or, or illnesses in different ways, Lord, we declare their healing today. Lord, for those who are dealing with financial issues, Lord, we pray, pray blessing and favor in their life. Lord, you're going to open doors of opportunity. Lord, you're going to send uh, unmerited favor, blessings that they did not expect, bountiful blessings, Lord, from your stores. Lord, for those who are dealing with relationships, Lord, you're going to be a healing balm. You're going to take those hurtful words and those hurtful things that, that have damaged us in the past and you're going to begin to work healing and forgiveness in those situations. Lord, we pray and declare this over all of those situations. And Lord, furthermore, we pray that you would help us to be your mouthpiece. Just like Jeremiah delivered your message of hope. It was, it was bad news, but the bad news came with a silver lining. And so, Lord, we, are we want to do the same thing. Lord, as we go out and we de deal with a world that is struggling in sin, Lord, we're going to deliver some bad news that the things they're going through are the result of sinful choices or sinful activities, but there's a silver lining, there's a hope, and that hope is Jesus. So, Father, as we go today, protect us, watch over us, and we're so grateful for all that you've done for us, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for letting me pray that pastoral prayer over you and for joining me with uh, and in praying that. When we pray like that, then you, you can pray with some confidence because the Lord says that what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And prayer makes a difference. God bless you all. I hope that you have a blessed day. Stay cool out there and we'll see you on Wednesday.